Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz, project teams. I can hear you all going, OMG, really? The answer is yes, and have we got some good news for you. So let's get started. When it comes to technology implementation rollouts, you all know what those are. Achieving success demands astutely aligning three things, your time, your money, and your people with, guess what, your committed corporate objectives. That's the big picture. Here's the bottom line. If your project teams aren't earning kudos, or as I like to say, high fives, on design, development, testing, training, and ultimately process integration, and guess what? If your project manager locks his or her door, turns off the phone, and makes a quick getaway for the weekend and doesn't come back, it's time for you to consider new approaches to project management. You think so? I think so. I have a panel of experts who are going to talk to this. They're going to give you some interesting insights and tips on how to do it better. First up on the panel, let's get started. I'm very pleased to welcome Greg Stimson, VP of Solutions at Method 360. And he sent me the following quote from Albert Einstein. This is a good one, everyone. Write this down. Everybody is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree... It will live its whole life believing it is stupid. OMG, Greg Stimson, welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. How are you today, Greg? I'm fine, thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for the quote. Tell me. Now, let's relate this Einstein gem. And by the way, Einstein is a frequent guest on this show. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but he is making a huge comeback in popularity. We're going to have to put up a web page for him. He rocks on social media. Greg, how does this relate to our topic of project teams? Talk to me. Well, I've been reading a few books lately, one of which is called Good to Great. I thought it was an excellent book about resources, right? And how you apply that to project teams is that you find the appropriate resource for the right job, realize people's strengths for what they are, and then apply those strengths into the project team to ensure that the project team is stacked for success. If you try to make somebody who's very good functionally uh, build out or develop a system, he will likely fail. If you try to find somebody who's very good at developing a system and try to get them to test or to functionally design a system, the project will likely fail. So find people's strengths and apply those strengths as their role in the project. Very interesting. Sounds like there needs to be a very strong linkage with HR in terms of bringing the right people into the organization, assessing their strengths, getting them to know that you appreciate their strengths, and then having some really sharp managers who know how to pull those strengths into the right project. Is that a pretty good overview? That sounds right to me. Appropriate allocation of resources at the onset of the project. There you go. So we've got a duality here. We're talking about project teams, but we're also talking a little bit about human capital management, HR. Good. Greg, thanks for the good intro to the topic. And I'm going to bring on now one of your colleagues at Method 360, Eric Axton, who is the VP of Operations and Solutions. And he sent me the following quote from G.K. Chesterton. And this is interesting because it's kind of a segue from the fish quote. And the quote is, a dead thing can go with the stream, but only a living thing can go against it. That sounds very interesting. Eric Axton, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing fine. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us. Uh, very, very pleased to have you on board. So talk to me. G.K. Chesterton, this is an interesting quote. I almost think it's a segue to the Einstein quote about fish that we talk about going with the stream. So how does this relate to our topic of project team success today, Eric? Well, sometimes it's about moving against the stream and getting to progress, right? A dead fish can go with the, the stream and do the status quo, but the fact is is that only a live fish can move against the stream and make change. And uh, and so that's that's what we're focusing on today is how do we do how do we make successful change in organization through technology? Exactly. And do you agree with uh, my conversation with Greg Stimson, your colleague at Method 360, a moment ago about this is as much related to the people running the projects as it is to bringing the right people into the organization and knowing where they are and what their strengths are, making them available? What do you think? Yeah, there is no project without the people. So uh, it is all about the people, both uh, the delivery and the customers. And uh, and, look, and like Greg said, was looking at what a, everyone's role is and making sure that you have the best people in that role to achieve what uh, uh, the project objectives are. Thank you very much, Eric. And uh, you and Greg, how long have you known each other at Method 360? Just give us a little history here. <clears throat> well, Eric Axton and I have worked together for around 13 years. Uh, most of that time has been at Method 360 together. So uh, we've enjoyed a long history of working together, and uh, I don't really like him, though. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it when we have no camaraderie on the radio. It just makes for a really dull show. You know, about two years ago, we had a guest. um, We had a guest who was from SAP, actually. And Jason, I I will get to you in a second, Jason Bradley. And uh, in his intro, when we, I read his quote at the beginning of the show, uh, he came after one of the other guests. And his comment was, you know, I've known John, whoever it is, for 10 years, and this is the first time I've agreed with anything he said. (laughs) Absolutely cracked up everybody. The show was a big smile. It was a great show, but it was a big smile after that because this man was so serious. I couldn't find a smiling picture of him. I looked everywhere on the web all night long looking for something, a screen grab from a video, and he was scowling. I said, oh, my goodness, and here he was. He made the comment of the year, so I... I hope you, I hope Greg and Eric figure out how to get along on the show today. That's really a requirement. We'll have to send you out for a break together. So now let's bring on our third panelist, Jason Bradley, the EPM practice leader at SAP. And Jason sent me the following quote from George Earl Buckle. Today is the day of good quotes. This one is, to simplify complications is the first essential of success. Jason Bradley, thanks for being so patient waiting in the wings. How are you today, Jason? I'm good. I'd just like to say I don't like either of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're off to a rock and start. That makes my job more fun because I have to make you all like each other before the end of the show. Jason, I want to thank you for tweeting a few minutes ago. I didn't know we had a green room. I'm going to mention this to my, my uh, engineer, Brad. Brad, apparently we have a green room now, and Jason Bradley was in the green room. So thanks for waiting there, Jason. I hope the coffee was really good. Jason, talk to me about your quote from George Earl Buckle. Talk to me. Yeah, the, you know what, what what I'm seeing out in the, the the project, you know, successes that that we're observing is, um, you know, the the goal has to be simplifying people's lives, and the whole team has to rally around that notion. Um, it's it's incredibly important to take these complex business processes and. Um, hide that complexity from the end users and, and make that the, the objective of, of the project. 
Okay. So who gets to simplify these complications? Who who's in charge of that? Is that somebody is that the project lead? Is thou are those those astute people whose skills we are tapping as Greg and Eric just mentioned? Who's in charge of simplifying complications? It starts at the top. It's it's got to be a priority of the executive leadership. Um they've got to they've got to sit all these people down and say, you know, this 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 is way too much for our company. We're, we're investing way too much effort in, in these business processes. We, we need technology and innovation to sweep that complexity under the rug so we can focus on other things. Do you think a lot of project teams today, Jason, believe that in order to seem important to their management, that they need to say, oh, this is a, oh, this project is, wow, you couldn't even begin to understand. It's very complex. Do you think there's that, that social responsibility, quote unquote, that they have to say, oh, we're working really hard because nobody else could do this. We're the only ones who understand the complexities and the, the hairpin turns in the road of on the way to success. What do you think? Is that a, uh, a bread badge of courage, perhaps? Well, I mean, whenever, whenever we're sitting in the, in the middle of the firestorm, you know, all we can talk mm-hmm. about is fire, right? Exactly. Um, you know, <laughs> the, um, you know, sometimes the, the project teams don't do themselves any favors by, um, making the project seem impenetrable like that, mm-hmm. like you're describing. Um, you know, I think, I think ultimately they would do better to describe the future state, how, how much easier this, uh, the project work they're, they're developing is, is going to make everybody, everybody's lives after. Okay, thank you very much. And now I have a very important question for all three of my esteemed panelists. What's in your cup today? Hey, you're on Coffee Break with Game Changers, and we just want to know. And you can make it as simple or complicated as you want, but I want to know a brand and what the flavor is and whether it's the best cup of something you've ever had. So, Greg Stimson at Method 360, I'm going to turn this back to you. And what are you drinking or what do you wish you were drinking right now, Greg Stimson? Well, almost every day I have a nice cup of coffee, usually Pete's in the morning, and today I tried a chai tea latte, and I deeply regret it. <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute. For all the, the chai tea latte fans who love it, I'm not sure how many there are, but maybe there's at least a couple listening. What don't you like about it? Come on, dish. You know, I don't know. I think it's a break from habit. Maybe I need to try new things more often and just get into my chai tea. I don't know. But I do miss that flavor of Pete's. It's addictive. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad you have a good addiction, and high fives to Pete for that. Pete and Eric Axton, uh, since you and Greg don't get along, I assume you're not drinking chai tea today. What are you drinking? No, I saw this chai tea, so I switched over to coffee this morning. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm drinking a nice deep uh, dark roast of uh, Pete's coffee. So he's uh, very jealous right now. Okay, well, there's nothing like, uh, you know, what can I tell you? Jason Bradley, add to the fray here. What are you drinking? I don't want to keep any liquids in front of me. My arms are swinging wildly today. Um, but I'm from I'm from a, a kind of a gloomy part of of the states, uh, Portland, Oregon, and on a cold, rainy day, I like to make myself a, a coconut milk hot chocolate. It's a little canned coconut milk, uh, raw chocolate, honey, and cayenne pepper. Ooh, I didn't hear anything about a sweetener in there. Is the coconut milk sweet enough or a little bit of sugar, even agave syrup? What are you putting in it? Come on. No, I, I said it. It's honey. 
Honey's going to Honey, oh, I missed the honey. I missed the honey, honey. Okay. Thank you. We need to tweet that recipe. I was so intent on the on the chocolate part. I'm a chocoholic and by the way, I lived in Eugene for many years. You know where Eugene is, right? Oh, so you're a hippie. <laughs> well, I wasn't at the time. I was actually the disco dance queen of Eugene, Oregon for, for a long time. I taught thousands of people how to do line dances and hustle and had a professional dance partner and did contests, but enough about me. Hey, listen, you're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers, and we've just had our coffee break. That means it's time to take our first break and get down to business here. Our topic today is Project Teams, New Roadmap to Success. I'm speaking today with Greg Stimson at Method. The 360 with his colleague question mark Eric Axton at Method 360 and Jason Bradley at SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham and I plan to be after the break, honey or not. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know what's coming up. A 30-minute marathon roundtable. Virtual or not, here we go. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are, and we're back with the start of our roundtable discussion. I'm speaking today with Greg Stimson at Method 360, Eric Axton, that's A-X-T-O-N, in case you're wondering at Method 360. I'm sure people are wondering, Eric, and Jason Bradley at SAP. We're going to kick off this topic today, and our topic, by the way, if you're just joining us, is project teams, new roadmap to success, and whatever you are doing in your company, wherever you are, you know project teams are a fact of life. That's just the way it goes. So we're we're going to give you some tips and tricks and techniques to make life better for you and your project teams. Greg Stimson, Method 360. Let's kick off the party with the topic of dedicated business resources. And you told me before the show, Greg, when you start a project, you have to look at a percentage of SMEs from the business that should be allocated. So let's talk about what are the elements of the resources, where do they come from, who gets to put them all together in that big pot and mix them up and cook them? And who gets to say this is dedicated to the project? Let's kick it off, Greg, please. That sounds good. So it all depends on the type of project you're going to do. You know, I've been doing um, SAP projects for about 20 years, and, and uh, I've been through a broad mix of, of uh, different types of resourcing strategies on those projects. 
some of which the business is fully dedicated to the project. Some of the times, most of the time, the business is only partially allocated to the project team. And I've found personally, and especially on some of my more recent projects, that the full-time dedication of business resources is essential to the project's success. If you dedicate a resource 50% of the time to a project, you'll probably get about 50% of a successful project. Um, so if I'm doing a, a planning and forecasting project, I'm going to need finance people involved, right? People from the planning and forecasting or FP&A department. Uh, would need to be full-time dedicated to making this happen. The reason being, there needs to be a tie between what the business needs and what the technology develops. And if, they don't, if they're not there to oversee the development and ensure that the development is on track with the business expectation, then we're misaligned. And the, one of the keys to project success is the alignment of the business and technology to deliver the successful results of the business requirements. Okay, good start. And a question for you. You use the term SMEs. I'm used to seeing that as small to mid-sized enterprises. What's the reference point here, Greg, please? How do you use it? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. So within the workings of a project, when I have a business resource on a team fully dedicated, right, they're mm-hmm. instrumental even in the requirements gathering phase of the project where we can uh, – where we where we can help determine, um, you know, what does SAP stand for specifically? No, no, it's, it was SMEs, SME. So SME, subject yeah, sorry. matter expert. <laughs> That's what I wanted to know. Okay, subject matter expert. I just, long, you know, it's, it's early, so he hasn't had his coffee. So <laughs> well, he switched from coffee. He's on the tea, so he couldn't know, possibly know. hear me correctly. Subject we, matter expert. Greg, you have to go back to coffee, please. That's great. I have a question for you, and then, of course, I want Eric and, and Jason to chime in on this. Question is, what if, we, going back to our opening, what if you have exceptionally smart, talented people who don't belong to your team? You want to pull them in on a, shall we say, internal consulting basis, but you're not going to get 100% of them. How does that figure into the project? So, in other words, we have Bob over in, in accounting, and we know Bob is just a, a guru, a genius when it comes to the financial information you need for this project success. But you can only get 30% of Bob's time with his manager's approval. Does that work, Greg? Absolutely. In fact, that trips a little bit into our uh, sub-teams discussion where we, we okay. established a mechanism where we have core teams on the, on the project. So full-time dedicated resources, subject matter experts, and then a core team. So in, on a weekly basis, polling the core team who are very, very expert at what they do, but also very essential to the business uh, you know, progressing and working. They can't leave their full-time jobs of running right. a business to come over onto your project team. But at least on a weekly basis, pull the core team members into the project, review the requirements that you've gathered or the functionality that you've uh, designed or the technology that you've developed and ensure that they are aligned. So that's a step process, right? There's a full-time dedicated project team with consulting resources and technologists and subject matter experts from the business, and then a weekly review with an extended core team so that different facets of the business mm-hmm. are represented. And you start to trickle into all of the sh- stakeholders in what you're about to develop. You're not isolating your development work to a tiny core team, but you're broadening out the scope and out to a broader group of stakeholders for their review and input. Makes great sense. Eric Axton, why don't you chime in? And Jason, I know you have a lot to say, so whoever wants to go first, good. So who, can- who wants to 
I, I can start. Yeah, I think what Greg is saying is correct is is that with the dedication, it sort of forces that alignment, right? If if I know mm-hmm. if I'm on the business side that I am dedicated and, and part of this implementation team is that if I don't agree with something or if there's some or if it's taking a direction, by being full-time and working with the technical resources, I'm sort of forced to make that happen. And a part-time, sometimes I've seen in projects where they start going in alignment, that communication starts being an issue, right? That, that I don't agree, but whatever, I'm only part-time the project. It's not my main priority, right? So that that can become a problem, and that rift grows bigger and bigger in very essential parts of the uh, project. The other the other success factor I think for part time resources is that you clearly define the role activities and deliverables that are expected of that individual, right? So that person understands that while they're being thirty percent to forty percent. Which is you know, which is always a funny uh, you know, it, you can never you never work percentages, you only work hours. Um, is is that you are responsible mm-hmm. for these activities to be here at this time, this deliverable. So it's very clear that during which gates in the project that you're bringing them in, whether it's weekly, phase in, milestone review, whatever it is, that they have a role and it's clearly defined because that helps with the success criteria. Thank you. Jason Bradley, SAP, you want to add to this? Because I want to take this in a slightly different direction, but I want your thoughts on this business resource dedication. All right, I'll make it quick. So, you know, of course, Greg is absolutely right. You know, it's directly proportional to the amount of engagement we're getting from the business. You know, this is... This is not ordering a birthday cake where you just uh, put, put in your order and then it shows up a couple days later and it's perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, we we want um, we want we want the business deeply involved. Um, put your money where your mouth is. If, if you want these capabilities, then then we need you um, rolling up your sleeves. And frankly, I'll take it a little way, a little ways further, if possible. If 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 we're talking about the right type of solution. Um, getting hands-on with the with development that you know there there are usually parts of these implementations where the business users can actually be a part of things and and that gets them emotionally invested it gets them aligned to what the capabilities mm-hmm. uh, you know are and and they can uh, you know take ownership of the outcomes. You mean in a business context, we can actually ask people to get emotionally engaged, Jason? I like that because that sounds like there's a little humanity in here rather than just moving a bunch of numbers and pawns around a chart. Uh, I'm going to take you seriously on that one. But, Jason, I want to move in a slightly different direction. We're talking about resources, but we haven't talked about scoping the project, which seems to me to be equally important. What is the project? How big is it going to be? You can't be successful unless you know where you're starting and where you want to end up. So talk to us a little bit about scoping and phasing smart, as you told me in your notes before the show. Jason? Yeah, you know, I I think what we see is by the time people have actually committed the budget and resources and, um, you know, purchased hardware and software, a long time has elapsed and and there's a a great deal of pent-up demand for capabilities. And so the the list is long of, of what people want to accomplish, and it's difficult to get people to compromise and and what what I call phase smart. So um, you know it's really really important, if possible, to get quick wins out of uh, out of you know these implementations. Um, mm-hmm. Finding subsets of capabilities that we can produce get into people's hands so that they can. You know, a understand the solution, 
and and that will actually inspire them and, and make them better partners in developing you know future phases. Okay, Greg, Eric, you want to chime in on the scoping part of the project development? Greg Stimson. Yeah. Well, this is Eric. I think. Um, Hi, Eric. Absolutely. Um, I think it's uh, very critical, like you're saying, is after, you know, there's a lot of discussions that happens on software selection and, and project scoping and things like that that go along with it. But when you kick up the project, there, <clears throat> there needs to be a pause. And you usually do this through your project charter, your project prep. You need to plan the plan and rescope and align the whole project team on what exactly what we're trying to achieve and, and, re- and, and re-look at the business objectives right, and the mission associated with that and how the scope and the project objectives align to that. So I think it's very, very key that at the very beginning during the prep phase, you're really looking at and you're going into detail around the business processes, the system change, uh, the organizational change, um, what you're looking at from master data transactional integration, um, and then how those are impacting the organization and, and laying out the foundation of your project from that to really in, in, to, to drive the scope because scope is usually at a very at a little higher level around mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, from from when you're first engaging, and then it's really key to go down because the devils in there, the devils are in the details, and Always. Quickly, quickly get into that, um, and then and then scoping your project from there. Terrific. Now I want to introduce a new concept. Uh, Greg Stimson told me about this before the show. He says it is a new concept for many, but he calls it a vital and often missed part of a project, and this is what he calls map. Day. I thought it was May Day originally, but that's when you get in trouble, Greg. Um, that's after the fact. Map Day presentations. Introduce this to us in just a preview for our listeners. We are going to talk about humor. I know we've been having a good time on the show so far, but we're going to talk about humor as a productive element of progress a little bit later in the show. You don't want to miss that. You are allowed to have fun like we do here on the radio show. So, Greg Stimson, Method 360, what is a Map Day presentation? And, by the way, can companies of all sizes use this? Talk to me. <clears throat> Absolutely. In fact, I think it's easier for smaller companies to engage, ah. a little more difficult for large companies, but an essential element of the project all the same. We talked about proliferating the information of uh, the project out to the core team on a weekly basis, right? There's a, mm-hmm. a project delivery team, which is engaged every single day in the same uh, topics of discussion, full-time dedicated, expanding out to the core team. Now, when you're through with your functional design, you've listened to the business, you know what their requirements are. You've taken the time to review the requirements and design a solution functionally, right? This is the time to bring all of the stakeholders of the business together. And I've had these uh, map days be as large as 100 people in a single room. Wow. Have stake in what the project is going to deliver and review that functional design with them. I don't know how often I've been on a project in previous, uh, you know, years where you get done installing a project and some guy who's directly involved might say, what are you guys doing again? I, I didn't even know that this project was underway, right? That can't happen. These are direct and indirect stakeholders. Let's say I'm just uh, a recipient of the data or what I work on feeds into the environment. It's integrated in some way. Every stakeholder, every touch point, every resource that might have stake in what you're developing needs to be there and give their feedback on your uh, on your functional design before you start developing. There might be things here and there that you need to tweak in advance of the development process, 
And to cue in on something that Jason said a little earlier, this is to highlight and expand upon the, the business's ownership of the deliverables, right? An emotional stake in what's being delivered, right? I, if I feel like I've had some input and some say, I might even feel like I own the solution in a way. I, I am in now invested mm-hmm. in the success of yes. that project. So that's really the purpose of Map Day. Very important, but I, I want Jason Bradley to comment on this because he's not with Method 360. He's at SAP. But Jason, can this work in, in a? Imagine hundred people in a room. It sounds like a seminar given by a very popular professor at a big university. A hundred people in the room, and people are going to feel invested in the project. What do you see as? Give me a reality check on this concept, Jason Bradley. Yeah, I I think that the the spirit of it is aligned to to where SAP is coming from these days. Um, you know, we we are big proponents of having upfront workshops um, mm-hmm. around a, a concept we call design thinking. Um, it's not yes. actually ours. It was it was created by a, a group um, out of California called IDEO. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it's to, you know, loosely described as brainstorming, but it's more specific than that to bring, um, you know, the right people into the room to talk about, you know, overall business process, what the, um, you know, what's viable, what's attainable, and, you know, how are we going to put that into action around maybe even a, a small prototype to, to get you know, to get people's juices flowing and and to get the right scope uh, in in front of the project team. Thank you. And by the way, a little point of history here. I'm on Wikipedia now. Uh, design thinking did come from IDEO. Those of you who didn't see it on CBS Sunday Morning or 60 Minutes about a year ago, great segment. It's uh, Tim Brown is the CEO and president of IDEO. And the goal of design thinking is matching people's needs with what is technologically feasible and vi- viable as a business strategy. So there's a little official word from Tim Brown. Thanks for introducing that, Jason Bradley. Appreciate that. Eric Axton, any comments on Map Day Pre- Presentations before we move on to humor. Talk to me, Eric. I, th- I think it's actually, I think it's really critical. And I use these early on in design sessions across the projects to basic, to really set the foundation of understanding of what's going to happen in this project and getting alignment agreement across, you know, across functional teams, right? So when they go off and start to work, uh, looking and doing their workshops and developing what this system is going to do at a detail level, everyone is building off the same foundation of knowledge about what this is going to do. And this map day really helps visualize um, what processes are in scope, what's going to happen, um, and, and, the, and getting some overall agreement cross-functionally uh, before you go down into those deep dives. So all, all, you know, I think there's a great conversation because this is all key to, again, the, that successful uh, criteria around project delivery. Good. Thank you. And before we get to the humor, I'm saving that because I want the audience to stick around. We are going to have more fun here. We are already. Somebody commented to me, project teams, that's a boring topic, isn't it? (laughs) And they're listening to the show and they said, this is not a boring show. This is a great conversation. So kudos to my three panelists. I appreciate your energy and your involvement here. And I know you're invested in the topic. I want to talk about when to adopt technology. We're talking about project teams as though we're kind of coming into it in the middle. We have a project. We need a team. We need resources. We need commitment and investment. But let's back it up 
a couple of steps before we actually get to the project definition. When do you adopt technology? Now, we know business is always pushing to get more from technology. They want the latest. They want the greatest. If it's an app or it's a version, they want to just go full force ahead. They want to see how much can we weigh risk against the value of implementation and upgrading. Great point. So, Greg Stimson, why don't you take us through cutting versus bleeding edge, leading versus lagging. When should a company consider putting a project together to adopt technology? What's your thought from the vantage point of Method 360, please? From Method 360 vantage point, we, we, we help customers decide and uh, on, on which version of an application to install. And when you adopt a bleeding edge uh, version of a technology, there are certain risks that are associated, right? Uh, it, mm-hmm. it might cost a little more. There might be issues uh, that you might have to have solved. Um, there might be glitches and bugs in the system. There inevitably are. Every customer is different in the way that they develop software and their and their utilization of that software, their business requirement on that software. And when a when a version is just being released, uh, there's an extra risk and cost uh, component, and maybe even an extra time component. That all needs to be weighed against the functionality that's being delivered. So we very often found the case to be where the business requirement demands this. Uh, functionality in in the technology, and it only exists in the most bleeding edge version. So we outline the risks, right? Well, it's essential when you have a bleeding edge or even a cutting edge project on the table that you involve the uh, the vendor resources, right? SAP, in the case of an SAP project, SAP Consulting must be on the site. It, SAP demands it for ramp up, uh, and for good reason. And for other projects, SAP consulting resources need to be invited to the table to help mitigate that risk. Uh, it helps accelerate the uh, resolution of, of issues that you incur, and it's all a part of balancing against the new functionality. I know that in particular BPC 10.1 uh, unified is in ramp up, but it, but, it, but it gives you all of this new functionality that customers are really searching for. And if they're willing to uh, to adopt the risk to gain that functionality, we'll help them through the, pro- uh, the process. SAP will help them through the process. And in the end, uh, it may have been a little bit more painful than a than a, a project where you're adopting a lagging edge or a or a cutting edge technology. Mm-hmm. But the benefit long term can be there if you're supported by the right teams. Okay, Jason Bradley, thoughts on this? Um, yeah, the 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 decision tree around adopting these technologies at the margin is complicated and, and yes. it's and it's getting harder because the pace of innovation is quickening. Um, if, if we're talking about SAP technologies, our cycles used to be around two years and those have shrunk down to six months. So you're seeing, um, you're seeing new innovations, new versions, coming out at a much quicker pace, and it is very difficult for organizations to fully absorb and process that information on their own. So I, I think having the right guidance and the right coaching, like uh, like Greg's talking about, is extremely important so that they can make the right decisions. Um, you know, I, I think that there is a lot of upside to these um, innovations that are that are coming out of, of companies like SAP right now. Um, there's you know much lower total cost of ownership. There are all kinds of advantages for companies who are sort of saddled with 
these legacy applications that are you know consuming a lot of their IT resources just just keeping the lights on. So I, I think having you know the right coaching, the right advice is is really important. Thank you very much. And I want to move this in a slightly different direction. I'm going to call on Eric Axton from Method 360. Eric, it all comes down to the dollar. Come on, we know that. Who do you hire and how many people do you put into it and how much do you invest in the technology? So what are we talking about here? What's your advice? Right size, budget, that's a big thing to get your arms around. What is? Who determines versus doing it on the cheap? Because in the beginning, I talked about the elements of a successful rollout being time, people, and money. Let's get to the green stuff, the money. So Eric Axton, take us into this, and we will get to the humor part, I promise you, but I'm <laughs> Saving it before we go to the break. I don't want anybody to say, oh, this is so funny. So let's stay serious. Talk to me about Show Me the Money. Eric Axton, please. Yeah, that's always a uh, interesting conversation when you're trying to budget for the project and develop a, 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 a staffing plan, right, against the scope, which then ultimately determines the dollars that's going to be spent, both internally and externally. Um, <clears throat> what, what we find a lot of the times is that we'll put together a solid uh, that we think a staffing plan and dollars associated with that, based on our experience, knowing and building in that there are going to be hiccups along the way, meaning sometimes a, a new scope because of uh, uh, M&A activities or integration issues or data, and it's just it's just part of a project life cycle that you know all of us have, you know, like Greg and I have 20 years of doing this, and. Um, and then that all needs to incorporate it. And then the pressures of doing it cheaper and the business environment of coming in and saying, yes, we understand that, but let's, can we do it for cheaper? Is it possible to do it with one less resource? And the answer is always yes, it is possible, right? So that's always a tough conversation, but you do not, you do not leave any, any room or dollars associated for those hiccups, right? And they say, well, in a perfect, you know, and when you should, that'd be a red flag when someone says, in a perfect scenario, yes, we could do that because a project is not a perfect thing. There's, it, it's change, it's complicated, mm-hmm. and therefore you got a budget for those, right? So what we even like to do is, we, but we what what the best way to do that is when you're doing the scoping and staffing. It is the resource triangle, right? Uh, that that we talk about, and really it is. Uh, helping uh, the client and ourselves, you know, from a pro- from a project manager stand, understanding to ensure and going down to the details and why that person's on the project, what activities are they doing, and what role do they do, and how long it's going to take, right? And when you start having those squeeze conversations, then it's very easy to say, well, what are we going to do with these activities and roles? Okay, you have to. Uh, what I find is that a project ends as it starts, right? Um, and uh, you really need, and, and it causes a lot of chaos when you try to shrink the dollar budget. And the best hope, and at the end, real life happens, and then you're scrambling mm-hmm. for change orders, and it adds a lot of communication and change into a project, uh, which increases the risk of the overall implementation. So okay. we really recommend just to look at it. Um, we've, we've actually partnered with our uh, clients where we had those additional resources on, on them, and then we didn't engage them. We did not land those because the project was going well and there was a decision that, you know what, based on what we're seeing and based on the design, the ultimate end of the design, we're not going to onboard that resource, saving those dollars and putting those dollars to another use, maybe towards change management or maybe a different uh, training objective. And uh, we're really collaborative with uh, with our clients that way. 
Thank you. Greg Stimson, also Message 360. Thoughts about the money part? What do you think? Well, I, I agree with Eric, and, and also just to say that, uh, that, that the budget is such a serious thing, yeah. right? Um, you, you need adequate funds to do it right, and you need adequate time. And at time and, and budget are obviously correlated. You, 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 the more money you have, the more time you can possibly get to get a, a project done. But, but, but time and money are essential. I, 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 I don't. I see projects fail when they're under, under budgeted. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because they try to do it quicker, maybe with uh, less experienced resources uh, and with fewer resources. But it, but the makeup work that's required when you budget a project that way uh, far outweighs the cost of doing it right the first time. So mm-hmm. allocating an appropriate budget uh, and, and allocating the, the right amount of time uh, is absolutely vital to a project. Otherwise, you're setting people up to fail. People get frustrated. People feel like they haven't succeeded. Yep. The project feels uh, the project team feels uh, you know uh, dejected a little bit, and the executive steering committee feels like uh, they wasted their money. And then you go into this whole negative spiral. But but you can stack a project for success in the beginning with the right amount of time and money. Yep. Okay, Jason Bradley, SAP. Thoughts about the green stuff, the money? Yeah, I just. I just want to add all all of the above is true. I, I do I do want to add that um, you know there there are tools available to get more for your money. Okay, so we you know SAP makes available to customers and partners and for our own consulting um, uh, rapid deployment solutions. So this is um, in in most cases free content available for. Uh, customers to um, customers who are focused on outcomes around solutions, not just um, you know kind of the time and materials that are going into projects. Um, they you know pre-configured solutions that you know provide answers to, to business problems, and <clears throat> sometimes they're not complete solutions for for something someone's looking to do, but um, they can provide the cornerstone or baseline for for one of the implementations. So, you know, it's, it's you know, kind of a, a secret sauce, if you will, for kind of making the most of your project dollars. Thank you very much. And I think we're just, well, we have five minutes before I'm going to go to break. I think we could spend the next four of those talking about, as Greg Simpson likes to put it, humor as a productive element of progress. And he says the value of positive feedback in a fun work environment. Studies show the end product in such an environment has far better quality than the alternative. And Greg says he has examples. So, Greg, let's talk about humor. Uh, You don't normally hear that in a business conversation, at least not in the project meetings I've been on, honey. (laughs) And the honey is for whoever had the the chocolate with the honey. I remember honey now. prefer agave, but honey's good. Um, By the way, I have a recipe for Great biscuits for all of you. I'll send it to you after oh, wow. the show. Great. Yeah, unbelievable. Two ingredient biscuits you will not believe. Amazing. So let's go back to Greg. Let's talk about humor as a productive element. When do you tell people we're going to have fun on this project? What would that do in the meeting with a hundred people gathered in this great big symposium room and the, the, the honchos at the conference table and, and these hundred people gathered around saying, Oh God, another meeting. And you say, we're going to have fun. How fast will they brighten up? Talk to me, Greg Simpson. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I actually think it starts at the very beginning of the project when you have an executive mm-hmm. sponsor, you establish a steering committee. 
and you hire a project manager and you have subject matter experts on the table, these few resources, it trickles out from there, right? You have to start it somewhere. But the doing something as simple as maybe establishing a nickname for somebody in the team, right? And they might hate it at first, and they start giggling, and everybody gets a little laugh out of it. Everybody calls me Bunny on the current project I'm on because I developed a spreadsheet that looked like an Easter egg, right? As long as they don't call you Bunny, that's okay. <laughs> but things can get pretty tense. And when we're in a project room and things are tense and you're really working through some uh, pretty uh, uh, emotional things, right, some very detailed conversations and things get uh, abrasive and rough, somebody will say, Bunny, Bunny. (laughs) And and just everybody in the room starts laughing, and I kind of get embarrassed and laugh a little bit. And I've been on projects where things are complex and the environment is rough, right, and there is none of that to fall back on. And that, that makes for a very, very rough environment. Establishing a good working relationship. After all, in projects, we spend most of our waking hours in a team room with these guys, and you're either going to love them or you're going to hate them. And, and I opt for the loving them. because And you can establish that environment. It starts with every single person, right? I'm mm-hmm. going to be trapped in a room with them. We are going to figure out a way to get together and laugh through things and, and uh, work this environment out. And it starts at the top and rolls down. But it's essential for everyone's happiness and for the productivity of the project, right? If they're angry, typing away, doing some code, uh, working with the business, and they're all upset and defensive, uh, that's far less productive than accepting feedback, right? Teasing each other, little ribs here and there, and then moving on and and being more productive with it. Okay, I like that. Eric, what do you think? Eric Axton, do you like to have a sense of humor in your projects? Uh, Absolutely. Thank you, Bunny, for that. Um, And... uh, (laughs) Eric, I don't know who he's talking to. My name is Mama. <laughs> that, that is so um, and it's always it's always Easter at your projects. I'm sure of that. <laughs> no, absolutely. And actually, we budget for uh, team events also. So I think it's really key that you spend some time and make sure these happens. We have taken people out on wine tours. We have taken them to bowling events and things or uh, different things. On, on one project we're doing right now, uh, every other week they go hiking and uh, to block teams again. And what it is, it's really around communication and interpersonal skills. Uh, you are, you know, yeah. from a business side and technical side, someone's giving up or someone's at, at any project, you're not getting your way sometimes. And and because mm-hmm. of deadlines, because of timelines and things like this, there's decisions maybe from the top or the bottom that, that it's going to have to be this way. Well, what happens is that when you put people into those environments where they're just enjoying themselves and outside the project team room, but forcing the interaction, it really helps keep the communication and the interpersonal skills uh, uh, consistent when going back into that team room, right? I appreciate um, and it really, that. It's, you know, the old blowing off steam, right? And so we actually budget for that and make sure that happens when we have events every month. Love it. Uh, Jason Bradley, I can give you one minute to talk on the humor side, and then we're going to take a break because you all have worked hard and you deserve it. So, Jason, do you have any humor in your projects? Do you take people on field trips and hikes and things like that? Oh, this is easy. It's a it's a German company. No fun allowed. Sorry. 
<laughs> and why do you think I invented Game Changers Radio, Jason? <laughs> we wanted to give you a chance to smile this week. That's what we did. Listen, I'm going to give you all a chance to go on a break and take your own field trip, but don't go too far because I'm giving you about 90 seconds. We're going to come right back with, you know what, the crystal ball round here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm going to be asking Greg Stimson at Method 360, Eric Axton, and I think Greg likes him now at Method 360, and Jason Bradley at SAP. If, gentlemen, we met again five years from today, that's March 5th, 2019, what would you be saying about the progress made in the world of business, as you all know it, on project team success? Big, big topic. So when we come back, you'll each get about a minute and a half on the clock to give me your predictions. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be speaking with Greg, Eric, and Jason today. Don't even think of touching that dial. There's a couple minutes more. You don't want to miss predictions. We'll be right back. Brad out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are, and before we start the crystal ball round, I have to do a shout-out to my colleague and co-producer, Malcolm Kimberlin, on Twitter. He told me, too late for the coffee segment, but never too late to announce it. He's having Pete's Major Dickinson's out of the Keurig, and he says his coffee today is black like the stallion. Oh, I love the poetry of Malcolm's <laughs> coffee tweets. I want to say thank you to Malcolm for tweeting all the W-O-W, the words of wisdoms from my guest. As well, we've got a new friend here on Twitter. It's Deepankar I hope I'm pronouncing that right from Method360. That's at Method360 for tweeting along with Malcolm and capturing all the wonderful words of wisdom on the show. And I appreciate that. And uh, a shout out to Maria as well. So let's go into our, our crystal ball round. I'm going to start it off with Greg Stimson from Method360. Greg, if we met again th- five years from today, 2019, what would you be saying about our topic, Project Team's Roadmap to Success? Will people have made a lot of progress based on what you've said on the show today? Talk to me. I'll tell you what. I'm I'm a I'm a uh, an uh, I'm a, I'm an optimist by heart, and so I'm going to go ahead and say that in five years' time, we are going to figure out a way to align the business with technology. There, I haven't yet been in a single client where there's been perfect alignment between what the business wants its technology department to produce and what the technology team can produce. 
And that's just a matter of communications and alignment. And I think through establishing project teams the way we have talked about today, uh, involving core teams, having map days, having steering committee presentations, injecting humor and good nature into uh, the working environment, um, and in the, you're, you're automatically joining the technology and the finance teams together in this process. And if we continue to do that, we will have great alignment, at least a better percentage of alignment that we have today between our business and technologists. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate that. And Eric Axton, also Method 360. Look ahead into the crystal ball. I bet it's very, very clear. So what do you see five years from today on this topic, Eric Axton? I think um, five years from today, I think it's the the issues and the and the conflicts uh, will be the same in the sense of you have uh, you have business needs that are going to be uh, resolved through technology and you have to design them, build them, test them, and roll them out. Then you're just never going to get away from that. I think what's going to be different is how we do it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the different technology platforms, you know, the cloud and mobile. How we get our data, right? Will 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 force different conversations. But at the end of the day, you're still going to need great people to do great work to deliver great solutions, and we'll never get away from that. Good. Thank you very much. And you're up, Jason Bradley at SAP. What do you see? And you can have a whole two minutes because these guys didn't take up their two minutes. So, Jason, why don't you go long for me a little bit and tell us what you see five years from today on the topic of project teams roadmap to success. Will they have arrived or will they still be trying to figure it out? What do you see? Well, we've, we've kind of got two pressures coming at us. Um, one is the the complexity of the technology and the available data um, is is simply growing, right? So mm-hmm. we have um, you know the Internet of Things. We've got sensors. We've got all of this um, available data uh, coming at us. Um, on the other hand, we've got um, these uh, persnickety millennials on the rise, right? And oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> don't get me started, right? So um, <laughs> they're, they're used to basically downloading an app and having a solution to their problem in minutes, right? And the, 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 those two pressures are going to bear down directly on the projects like we're describing, right? So they're, they're going to be asked to be working with um, much more um, complex scenarios and integration issues and um, deeper business algorithms that need to be applied to these problems. And they're going to have uh, consumers of these applications who are used to, you know, this uh, Amazon, Google, Apple style, uh, you know, user experience. So it's it's going to require a lot of finesse, and it's going to require, um, you know, just everything that we've been talking about in space. Okay, I appreciate that. You know what? I have two and a half minutes to close. I'm going to throw out a bonus question to all three of you, but I need you to keep it about 20 seconds answers. And the question is, five years from today, who would the ideal project leader be on an innovation implementation like we've been discussing here on Coffee Break with Game Changers? Uh, you can give me a quick profile, their education, their gender, their age, their background, where in the organization will they come from? Will they be a consultant brought in outside? Okay, I've got one minute to split among the three of you. So first up, Greg Stimson, 20 seconds, go. 
a person with good humor, excellent education, smart, good-natured, and looks a lot like Claudia Schiffer. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to handpick this person. I know you are. I like that. I wish you would lighten up a little bit, Greg, really. You've been so serious. (laughs) That's okay. I'll forgive you. Eric Axton, Method 360, 20 seconds, go. Yeah, I think it's a a smart person who could think out of the box who uh, has the experience uh, that leads to that, that that people can follow, um, and that uh, has the humor like Bunny here. Okay, Bunny, yes, and I I don't have any myself, so I'll be Bunny without, no, I'm teasing. And Jason Bradley, 20 seconds, go. Who will be the ideal project leader aside from Claudia? Who else would you like to see? Uh, All all the above. Uh, I'm I'm just going to add empathy. All right. So the 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 people who can really step into the shoes of the various personalities and stakeholders in these projects, those those are going to be the people who can bring everyone together. Thank you very much. And you know what? It's time for me to do my predictions. And I've got about, oh, 45 seconds here. Let's start speed talking, Bonnie. Okay. Wednesday, you just heard Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll be back next Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern. Uh, we'll have an interesting topic on um, content and social and writing and all that good marketing stuff next week. Great panel. We have one of the VPs at Sprinkler coming on the show. You don't want to miss Jeremy Epstein. Tomorrow, we debut a brand-new series called The Future of Business with Game Changers. 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 Eastern. Good show. Thursday afternoon, well, we're doing two shows tomorrow. Startup Focus with Game Changers, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Always interesting. We're talking about high tech, the impact of startups on high tech, the vertical tomorrow. And then Monday, we are debuting the renewal of our old series. They're coming back with a vengeance, Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Brand new day and time, Monday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 Eastern. And next Tuesday, Biz Buzz with Game Changers, Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 Eastern. OMG, we'll be on the air five times a week starting next week. I am ready. Thank you to Greg Stimson and Eric Axton at Method 360, Jason Bradley at SAP. A big shout-out and a hug with a smile to Maria Giannotti at Method 360 for helping put this panel together. Of course, Malcolm Kimberlin, thank you to Brad and the Business Channel team and a belated happy birthday to Brad. He's only eight and a half years old, guys, because his birthday is February 29th. He's a leap year baby, so shout-out to Brad. Happy birthday. Okay, everybody. There you go, Brad. We're still doing the birthday shout-outs to you. Every show this week, I have a call to action for my panel and everybody listening. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. See you tomorrow morning for the brand-new show, Future of Business with Game Changers. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.